this morning I'd like to offer a little bit of instruction and then I'll guide us into a silent sitting. We could very usefully give a lot of time to practicing the second foundation of mindfulness. First foundation, mindfulness of body as body, which there is a lot to that practice, but I'd like to talk about the second foundation, which complements, goes with, is a partner to the first, and the third and the fourth. And mindfulness of feeling tone is the second foundation. In the original language, the word is Vedana. And this does not mean emotion. We'll get there some more. This feeling tone is that each contact you have, moment by moment by moment, is going to be experienced as one of three tones. It will be either pleasant or it will be unpleasant or it will be neither pleasant nor unpleasant. Full stop. And the Buddha invites us to contemplate this in real time. Meaning when unpleasant experience arises, either as body sensation or an unpleasant thought, or an unpleasant sound, that we know it as unpleasant. We know it as just that. And our mindfulness, our steadiness, our grounding more in the body slows us down enough to have the opportunity to see unpleasant as unpleasant without what normally happens with, as the Buddha says, an untrained mind, is that unpleasant contact is not simply seen as unpleasant. The mind bounces, touches it, and in aversion, in dislike, in anger or fear of the unpleasant sensation, we start to build a story. A story of me and mine, and why is this happening to me, and what am I going to do to get rid of it? And before we know it, we're wriggling around and feeling uncomfortable and want to get out of here. And we haven't necessarily seen that that may have begun in just one moment of something unpleasant that was hard to bear, that our mind shrunk around and grasped and tried to push away. He says, know the pleasant as pleasant. Right? Know the pleasure as pleasure. So when the pleasure is here, and it may be a pleasant body state, there may be expansion and softening and ease, there may be pleasant mental states of joy, of lightness. Know them as pleasant. Because when we know something as it is in that way, we take our hands off it. And when we take our hands off it, it can unfold. The pleasure can work on us. It can actually widen us and deepen us and soften us. 
the untrained mind, the ordinary untrained mind, as it is, uh, sounds slightly pejoratively put, the ordinary untrained mind, pleasure will arise and we, our mind will shrink around it to try to what? Keep it? <laughs> How do I have more? This is great. And we've planned our next retreat at Guy House, right? Or some of us, it's hard to tolerate pleasure. We contract around it and go, oops, no, that's enough. Don't want any more of that. I might get too much, too big. It's a little deconstructing also, the pleasure. So can we know pleasure as pleasure, the pleasant as pleasant? And equally, he said, can you know the neither pleasant nor unpleasant as that? Shorthand in English would be neutral. There is a lot of experience that is neither pleasant or unpleasant for most of us. That we overlook. It's like, oh, there's nothing here for me. Right? From a sort of evolutionary standpoint, it's not a threat and it's not a potential something to eat. Right? And we kind of overlook it. And in our overlooking, like Suva Cho was saying last night, it's not just our inner landscape, it's our outer landscape. Loses the sacred gaze that restores everything to its holiness. So when you're practicing with what is neutral, it's neither painful nor pleasant. Maybe yesterday in the guided body scan, big toe. Right? The end of your big toe. Unless you've got gout, it's probably pretty neutral for most of us. It's not alarmingly, stunningly pleasurable, nor terrible. Right? But our attention finds it hard to sustain there. Did you find that? Right? Kind of bounces off. Right? Let me look for something else. Right? Let me go. Some of us will have an attentional pattern of going to find a problem. There's no problem here. Let me go find a problem to work on. Right? Or let me go and find something juicy to think about. Right? Now, not making that wrong, but these are the patterns, the attentional biases. Our attention has biases and habits and patterns, just the same way that we have emotional biases and patterns and shapes, just the same way that each one of us uniquely, when we walk, we have our unique way of walking that is patterned. You know that? If you haven't seen a friend for many years, and you might see somebody in the distance, and you can't even see their face yet, but the way they walk has a shape to it. You go, oh, it's, it's Bob. Right? It's distinct. Our gait has a patterning to it. So does our attention. And... Our attention shapes our world, our inner world, our outer world. We are training attention in Dharma practice. We're not training to have the best breath or to train to have the most filled out parts of our body. We're training the attention. And if we're up for that, then we are up for the Buddha's offering. He says, hang in there, hang in there. Can you know the unpleasant as unpleasant? Can you know the pleasant as pleasant? And can you know the neutral as neutral? Because right there, 
as um, I think it was Viktor Frankl said. He said, between stimulus and response, there's a gap, and therein lies our freedom. Between stimulus, that would be the contact. Let's say a sound comes over. Let's say you're tired of hearing us say stuff, right? It's unpleasant in your ears. Like, <clears throat> right? The contact might be unpleasant. But the reaction, the response is like, how am I going to, maybe I'll go and uh, sit in my room. And Between the contact and the reaction, or as Viktor Frankl said, between stimulus and response, there's a gap, and therein lies our freedom. And the Buddha's pointing to that gap. Things will continue to be appear, appear as unpleasant, even if you're as a Buddha, even if you're a Buddha, or pleasant, or neutral. Awakening is not about finding a more comfortable niche. So if a couple of ways of practicing with this this morning. We're training attention. We don't have to make ourselves wrong for this at all. Involuntary attention will have a bias in favor of the pleasure and an avoidance of the pain. It's an evolutionary bias. We've needed it. And to be a sort of somewhat, on, on one level, on, on one level, a successful species, and on another level, really not. What is in the service of evolution doesn't always serve our awakening, and can be a disaster in terms of happiness, contentment, sanity. So training requires a little fortitude, as you've discovered, as you know. A little firmness to stay in. It's like if our hearts really desire enough to know something new, to wish to not be pulled and pushed around by our mind, then we want to understand this principle of Vedana through our direct experience, not just through my instruction but through the very moment it shows up when my knee is hurting, when my face is itching, and it's like, oh, if I could just scratch that, it would be over. Right? Yes, it would for a minute, but we may not have learned anything. So we're not making a virtue of not scratching. We're making it an experiment, a curiosity. Can I get interested in that gap? What happens? Have you ever hung out there and you've got an itch on your nose and you're meditating and you're breathing and... Ah, right? this brilliant teaching of the Buddha of the two arrows he said having a body is somewhat like being shot by an arrow sometimes you will be subject it will be subject to unpleasant things at times he said but then it's as if an archer has come with a second arrow and shot that right into the first arrow and that's everything your mind does with it the gap between those arrows. Therein lies our freedom. Therein lies vast swathes of landscape that we have not enfleshed and made sacred with our attention because we were too busy looking for something else, either the problem or the solution. So this is sacred work It's courageous work. It goes against the stream 
of the sort of um, what's that word in English? The, um, you know, the thing that sort of I can't remember. It goes against the stream of where our, our habit would go, which is to bounce away from the pain and try and find a bit more pleasure. And if not, then I'll go and have a. I remember once on a retreat. I don't normally have sugar in my coffee or tea or barley cup or whatever it is, but it's like, oh, there's another spoon of sugar in there. You know? Looking for something. So giving ourselves, if we're really interested and curious, to hang out today. <coughs> and we then bring precision and crispness to this relaxation that we've been stressing here. We've been giving some room for these first two days. And we want to continue with that. We want to continue with this softening. Pick up the practices, whether you're doing the scales on your instrument. Remember Subhacho's analogy of the body sweeping. You know, at times you might want to just spend a whole 40 minutes sweeping through, checking out. You'll find, unless you're in chronic pain, you'll find a lot of neutral spaces. Can you, let's say it's your big toe, Big toe. I'm just going to go there. The concept sort of takes the attention to that area, and you have to pause a minute until it starts to fill out slowly. It might be numb, it might fill out with numbness or absence. Such is our withdrawal for many of us from our body. Hang out there, know the absence, know the neutral when we're willing to hang out with neutral, the quiet, the unassuming, the thing that doesn't pull us or push us. This is where the mystery opens its doors for us. When we're willing to hang out with the unpleasant and know that pain as the searing and the burning and the pulsing and the hotness and the density and the sharpness and the aching and the thudding and the dull and the, and the bit in the mind that could go ah, ah right there we develop equanimity steadfastness fortitude firmness it's not just about this moment we're cultivating a heart that can stand firm when our mind is trying to pull us around or other minds are pulling us around or the mind of the world is pulling us around if you want that then in this small microcosm of your sitting practice this is where we can grow that create that, make that it's like a kind of making soul making So let's come to sit together.
We're bringing in a little bit more in this morning of the discerning capacity, the capacity to discriminate our experience in terms of Vedana when that arises. Oh, well, it always arising, but when you're working that capacity, that sort of sharp, bright, discerning precision. But in an ordinary, untrained mind can be the capacity to be really critical and sharp and harsh. But when that is coming out of the relaxation, and the softening, that sharpness, it can be like a hawk in the sky, really clear, really precise really beautiful it's nature when it knows itself as part of the wholeness it's sheer beauty so keeping it simple this morning whether it's the scales of the body sweep establishing the midline whether you're with whole body breathing knowing yourself in three dimensional space as three dimensional in space as space steadying the attention and if you're someone who's never had the good fortune to determine, make a determination to sit still and you'd like to try that absolutely still that you were, I will not move under any itch or right. if you want to practice that, take that on some people know after many years of experience having done that, they're working a different edge in their practice right around not freezing when our determination can be not frozen but alive vibrant this will take you to more stillness when we don't react to every flicker of Vedana when Vedana does not lead our life ah Letting the hands be soft. Establishing yourself. Upright and gentle. Finding the way you can attend to your body breathing that is not putting it under pressure.
holding on for dear life, squeezing your cells, not that. And it is not too loose, so loose, that you forget your heart's desire. Jaw soft. And receiving your body. One breath at a time. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.